Welcome back to the BTR podcast. Before we get started, we're getting close to 100 subscribers. So if you haven't, please subscribe. Uh, we're also dropping daily shorts content on YouTube Shorts, our Instagram, and our TikTok. So please check that out in the description. Um, as well, we are officially on audio platforms, Spotify, YouTube, or not YouTube, sorry, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, other stuff as well. That will also be linked in our link tree. Um, it'll be labeled under audio platforms. So please like it, favorite it, rate it out of five stars, and download the podcast as well, as we will greatly appreciate it for sure. Uh, without further ado, it is finally that time. The finals have been set. Um, it's a bittersweet moment, though. It's like we're we love the playoffs, but the games reduce, reduce, but we want the finals to come. But then we know that after the finals, it's like we got to wait till October for uh, the NBA and NHL season. Yeah, even in between, like you have to wait like two ga- two days between games and like for both NHL and uh, NBA playoffs. The good news is that we don't have to worry about watching games on the same day like we had to do for the conference finals, which was pretty hard to do. But I guess let's just start with NBA. Game seven was completed. Um, the Miami Heat pulled off the upset in a way, I guess, even though they were up 3-0. But in terms of the game, they went to Boston, did what they said they were going to do, and have they beat the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely destroyed them, really pulled away in the fourth quarter as well, and the second half in general, I believe. And then, yeah, they were like, because they had zero momentum, especially coming up. Like, if you saw Game 6, which I'm pretty sure most of you did, we saw the stadium stunned. We saw all the fans stunned. We just seen the silence. The players were like all stunned. So it was like with 0.2 seconds left just to make the, just survive 0.2 seconds to make the finals. But that didn't happen. You had to go to game seven and then credit to the Heat because they got it done in game seven. Before we go to the Heat, let's start off with the Celtics. Um, I guess off the bat, the key thing was like literally a not what, a couple minutes in, minute in, Jason Tatum got injured. So that kind of changed the complexion of the game. Not saying that if he was healthy, they would have guaranteed won the game, but it probably would have been a much closer game. So like you could clearly tell he was hobbled every time he was driving. He wasn't like driving as much. Uh, he didn't finish with twenty points. I think he finished with like sixteen. It was fourteen. Yeah. So clearly there was there was an issue going on there. But um, my concern was with Jalen Brown the most because he struggled most of these series, right? And when Tatum was hobbled. You would hope that, like, he believes he's, like, a 1A, 1B situation. I don't believe that. I think he's at number two in this league. But this was his chance to, like, show people that, like, hey, now I am that guy. I could probably have my own team. And he clearly struggled. Like, he couldn't handle the ball, which he was always struggling with. He had he ended up with, like, eight turnovers and, like, 18 points. And even those 18 points, they were, like, in the 30% field goal percentage they were 30 percent yeah yeah so like they he struggled like you you would want that guy to step up when a guy gets down injured right we've seen it before with uh, chris middleton and Giannis in the past right like to the point where some people were saying oh yeah chris middleton was in their title run the guy instead of Giannis. um obviously that was ludicrous but um we wanted to see that performance from jalen brown right so he clearly struggled. He had, the, I think the key was like they relied on the three a lot because Jason Tatum couldn't um, drive as much. So, and they couldn't hit a three in the whole first quarter. I believe they finally hit one in the second quarter, and it wasn't on the great efficiency either. Yeah, they shot uh, 
39% from the field, 21% from three. So obviously, when your star player is down, you got no production from anyone hitting open threes, obviously it's going to be tough on you. And then Jalen Brown, 18 points. I think they both, him and Tatum combined for 13 of 36 shooting, which obviously for my two best players is not good. Yes, Tatum was hobbled, but he was still in the game so you expect him to do something still. yeah no for sure i'm not i'm not if, if you play I'm, I'm the type of guy not to give you a, a major excuse yeah you have to give him a slight um disadvantage there because it is your ankle at the end of the day he rolled it pretty bad but it's just yeah like the uh, celtics in general just struggled at home this playoffs right like you mentioned it before yeah they won like the key games like game five in this series they won game seven and no, game seven in the uh, Sixers series, you know, they lost, I believe, did they lose to the Hawks as well one game? I think? They lost game the closeout game, right? Game five. Yeah, so yeah. they struggled at home clearly, right? Like, you would think, like, obviously the reason why we picked the Celtics was they were going back home. Yeah, we knew the, the stats going into it, but it was still going to be a struggle no matter what. Or not a struggle, like, I thought they would have still, especially how they finished off that game, you didn't expect them to come out like this, right? And it wasn't even like that Miami came out not strong either right it wasn't like Miami came out with the flurry Boston's the one that came out with that flurry for a little bit but even uh outside of um those two the others didn't step up like um, as much as they should Derek White continued his Derek stuff, was but decent. he was still he still struggled from three so that's why his field goal percentage dropped it was a bit. it wasn't it wasn't bad I think it was like five from five of 12 with he, uh, 18 points or 19 points something like that yeah I'll double check that but it was 18 he was points. He the one that when, when you were, we were watching the game. It was the, 18 points. It's 18 points. Yeah, when we were watching the game in the third quarter, it was like um, he was getting those timely buckets, getting them back into the game. That was kind of scaring the Heat a little bit, like making it like a 10-point game, 8-point game. But then after that, he slowed down as well. Like he finished, yeah, he was at 18 points. He was 5 for 12 overall, but 2 for 9 from 3. So a lot of those misses were from 3. I think it was pr- almost perfect from 2-point field goal range. But, you know, he, no one really from the Celtics stepped up. I said Robert Williams, but he was just getting the easy put back buckets. I mean, he's not getting much points. He's not getting yeah. many points, right? Like your two, your star player goes down early. Obviously, he is not like 100%. Yeah, a bit of it's on him. A bit of it's obviously on the injury. But, you know, he was still in the game. So you expect him to do a little bit more. Like I'm not saying like go off for like 30 or like 60% shooting. But like you could have gave like 20 on like 40%. Yeah. Right. And then obviously Jalen Brown, uh, I believe nineteen points with like thirty percent shooting. But eight Mark, turnovers was the key. For eight that. turnovers, yeah, which was horrible. Because he uh, at the end of the day, when yeah Tatum struggled, usually Tatum was the one that dribbles out the ball. Um, uh, it had to be Brown because of the ankle, and you could tell that his handle isn't there. Yeah. Maybe. And like his handle's not there for like the playmaking. He could probably maybe create his own shot. But, like, just to make plays. But even like, when he gets, like, full-court pressure, like, Duncan Robinson stole the ball from him. And Duncan Robinson... Yeah, yeah. So, like, defender. that's what I'm saying. Like, making plays. Like, yeah, ball handling. Yeah, yeah, right? No, that's, sure. what, that's a point guard role. And then, obviously, we'll get into it. What the little off-season outlook a little bit yeah, later. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no Jalen Brown didn't turn up. Uh, Marcus Smart, who's been good since game four, game four, five, and six, did not turn up. And then Al Horford missed his threes. So, like, it was just, like, you can't really blame one guy for the Celtics because, like, all of them were bad. But at the end of the day, your two star players are going to get the most blame because they're the ones you give the most money to and they're the ones you expect to get you out of these shitty situations. The other thing is, 
you can't just say, oh yeah, they lost game seven, right? You got to remember they were down 0-3 early. So they had to um, put out all their energy in the other games just to even come back. You give them props for that, but you could clearly tell they drained them a bit, right? And even then, like, the key, th- what the Celtics did this game was the, what, is the reason why they lost the first three, in my opinion, which was like live by the three, die by the three mentality. They went away with that a little bit from game four, five, and six. Um, not six, bro. Six, they were like trying to throw it away. They were missing a lot of threes Yeah, yeah as but well. like they were still like, attacking the rim a little bit more compared to the first three games. So, But they kind of reverted back to that. And that's credit to Miami's defense as well, like the defensive plan. Their zone uh, defense. Their, their zone defense just made them screw up. They, they couldn't figure it out. And that's where, I, where before we go into the outlook of the out se- uh, offseason here for them, that's where Joe Mazzula's like inexperience comes in. Like, yeah, he... He was an assistant coach, but he's also 34 years old. He's younger than Al Horford. So it's it's definitely uh, a learning experience for him. I'm not that guy that says, oh, he should be fired or anything. He, but he did something right if he came back from 0-3 to make a 3-3 still, right? Same thing with the Sixers series. They were down 3-2, bad loss at home in game five. Then came back and won that. So he knows what he's doing. Is this, Can his experience help him going forward? Um, you want to finish anything up before we? Yeah, obviously, coaching? like for Missoula, like it is a learning moment for him. Obviously, first year as a head coach, you got him probably one of the best records. And in he the also NBA. had one training, uh, like he, he, his training camp was like less than a normal yeah. head coach was because like the Doka thing happened right before. Training yeah, started. and then uh, uh, second rec- second best record in the NBA, uh, Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Like, there's nothing to really bash him about, but. This Celtics team, when you look at it, like, it was there. Like, the window this year was so wide open for them. Yeah. It's not even funny. Like They took out arguably the two best teams. They don't have to face the Bucks. Yeah. The, they, yeah, they were supposed to beat the Sixers, but they were all, I mean, they were supposed to play the Sixers, and they beat them, but in my opinion, they were always favored uh, against the Sixers, and, like, I think that that's where you shouldn't have been seven. It, that should have been, like, five or six. Yeah, especially with Joel Embiid injured early. Yeah, and then uh, and now you're ever seeing an eight seed? Yes, it's Miami, which is probably like a they're not an eight seed, obviously because they're in the finals. But at the end, like you're the better team, and like you've shown like for three games that like you can play your Celtics basketball, and when you do play the Celtics basketball, that you could dominate any team in the league. And then you didn't do that over a course of seven game series. You only you needed four, but you only did it for three. Well, two and a half because game six was came down to the wire. Yeah. And then, honestly, if you're playing Celtics ball, you should have swept the Hawks. You should have ended a Sixers series in max six. You should have ended this series in five, max six as well. And you yeah, should be in the finals right now. Yeah, in five and six because of that. Yeah, but they haven't been playing Celtics ball in yeah. this playoffs. So, I guess looking into the offseason, my first question to you is, and we've heard this debate before, but then they made the finals run last year. Is it over for the two Js? Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Do you think they could win with them? Um, Jalen Brown. As uh, first of all, before I go into the contract extension, as just the duo themselves. As a duo, obviously you got to build a team around them. But do you think those two can be your best players in a championship? Best team? two. I mean, obviously, I mean they made the finals, right? And they made the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, one game away to the finals. one game away to one game away to the finals. They obviously like even when they're younger, like when LeBron was in Cleveland, uh, they made the Eastern Conference Finals then too, and then. Uh, Ray, I believe, was 2018, was it? Yeah, the, the rookie. That was Jason Tatum's rookie year. Kyrie got hurt. Yeah, yeah. So they have the experience. They have the experience. So that's I'm, why people are saying is that is that their ceiling so, though? 
that's the yeah so eastern conference finals i mean they lost to that Cavs team understandable they lost because you know jason tatum's rookie year they lost to uh, um the heat team in the bubble yeah they lost to a heat team again uh and honestly they were in my opinion the better teams in both those heat series right and then the one year they make it obviously he was a one seed last year and the thing with Tatum and Brown is that like when one goes down I feel like both of them go down right like when one goes down you want the other guy to step up right one's having off game the other guy steps up obviously you know helps you know could help some keep in, helps keep them in the game and uh, obviously have a fighting chance of winning but in this playoff run they both I feel like they both when one of them needs to step up step up both of them were pretty Move off back. Move your mic back a bit, man. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, my bad. We had to like see. I was just looking at the mic down there, but um, I still think they could. You could win a t- win with them, but the problem now is, I guess, bef- before I continue with my thoughts, five year, two hundred ninety five million dollar extension for uh, Jalen Brown, this off season, right? And there's rumors. There's rumors, right? Um, it's alleged. We're not saying this is actually what's being said by those two instead that they're fake liking each other just for the sake of the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> not the playoffs, right? Fake liking each other in the team that, you know, it's time to move on type of thing. What do you say to that? I mean, how do you fake like each other and make the Eastern Conference Finals consistently? I don't hey, understand that. The 04 Lakers did it somehow. <laughs> they made the finals, but they ended up losing in five. But um, I don't know. It's just because, like, like, the turmoil. They obviously had the Doka situation. You've seen, like, the egos with they might have on the team. But... But I guess, you know, that that stuff is being, I think it's alleged. I think it's overblown. Um, obviously, because people are saying that because Marcus Smart came out with his comments a little bit. And, um, sorry, not Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown is saying that, like, I don't know if I'm going to be here long term, stuff like that. But, you know, five years, $295 million. If he accept, If they offer that to him, I think he'll be dumb not to accept it. Unless he genuinely doesn't want to be in Boston anymore. Like, kind of like that Johnny Goudreau situation with Calgary. So, um, but in terms of my my first question, in ter- uh, can you win with them? Yes. I, I do believe those two could still be your, like, top two guys. But you might need to pair a third guy. Not, like, not a third guy like Kyrie. But can you get, like, a Miles Turner, for example, as the center spot, right? Because, like, Al Horford's old, right? So that's my first thing. How much can you really rely on Al Horford? He had a great se- uh, uh, playoffs defensively. Like, he did well against Joel Embiid, right? He, um, you know, even against Bam, he held his own, but he's old. Like, he's, like, close to 37, 38. So how much should you really rely on him? And obviously, names out there like Carl Anthony Towns come out, but the problem with Carl Anthony Towns is he's not that defensive guy. I don't think he fits that current Celtics regime or uh, roster, sorry. And... The other thing for me is the point guard. I don't think they have a true point guard. Yeah, that was probably my biggest uh, uh, need for them. I would say point guard because, like, you said it, like, they don't really have a guy who could bring the ball up properly. Like, obviously, Marcus Smart is listed as a point guard, but I just genuinely believe that you need, like, someone that is, like, a Chris Paul-esque, you know, Kyle Larry-esque, that, you know, to, like, really genuinely, like, pass the ball, you know, and really create open shots for his teammates and then whenever it comes down to it open shots from him yeah. so like for me yeah, sorry, go yeah, ahead. yeah so like because it, the people they have like tatum and brown they're like more shock creators for themselves right and like obviously you know 
we've seen plays where they could like kick it out to their teammates but like things like a point guard where like he could bring up the ball you know dribble away from pressure you know call some plays as well you know be the leader like they need a leadership passing point guard type thing because you know you could get the scoring from uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown yeah no that so a name that I mentioned I'm not I don't I know he's not available I'm saying like this type of mold Tyus Jones like you have him starting like I, we, I saw him again obviously we saw him with the Grizzlies against the Lakers but Grizzlies in general he's the lowest like assist to turn uh, turnover ratio like he's like at barely one point something which means that like he's not turning over the ball he's taking care of the ball he's playmaking he'll, he's he's a capable shooter I'm not saying he's available I'm not, I don't know if I don't even think he's a free agent but that's the type of guy like they don't need a superstar like I don't even think they need like Maybe a Fred Van Vliet is a type of guy is perfect as well. Yeah, you can handle like, that's the ball. Like the, I think that at, at the most, you need that type of guy. But when it comes to, um, yeah, like even just a capable guy like that, like you saw how the Grizzlies ran with Tyus Jones as a point guard when Jaw was out or Jaws on the bench. So they just need someone like that who's just, just Rondo, like prime Rondo even, like just that role of just playmaking. And can you, and you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you have Derek White currently. I don't think he's a free agent. So, like, you have that roster. I just think, can they find that guy essentially in the offseason? What do you think their bigger need is? The point guard or the center? Point guard. 100%? Yeah. yeah I would agree with you. Because Robert Williams can, can do the job. He'll get you the offensive rebounds. I just want... I think they just need someone that could um, facilitate a little bit more and has that natural point guard ability like a Chris Paul was. And again, I'm not saying at that level. Tyus Jones is at, at a great level itself. Obviously guy like Fred Van Vliet's available, can you get him? But their cap situation, like I said, five years, $295 million for Jalen Brown. And Jason Tatum's going to be eligible for like five years, 300 something million. So that's like almost $600 million tied in cap space on two players. And you don't know how much it's going to move up. So that's where I guess the debate is, do you trade Jalen Brown for a guy like Dame Lillard? Do you, If he wants out, what do you get in return? There's like so many stuff with that. But I guess we could talk more. I would like, if that's ever an option, I know it's like maybe Dreamland, I would 100% get Damian Lillard. Oh, for sure, hundred yeah. percent. But I think it might be more so that like Jalen Brown teams up with Dame Lillard or goes to Houston, for example. But I guess we'll talk stuff with the Celtics talk there. But we'll talk more about them on the offseason because they're an interesting team for sure. Just to see, yeah, what's they have happen. some. They definitely have some question marks. Obviously, like at the beginning of the season, you're like coming off a finals appearance and clearly one of the favorites to go back to the finals. You're like, you know, this team might be you know set up for the next couple of years, but obviously now. There's some question marks because, you know, we've seen the performances where they come up short plenty of times in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I guess let's move on to the Heat. Quickly get, uh, recap their Game 7. First off, Caleb Martin robbed. I believe so. <laughs> the votes were 5-4. to four. Yeah, they um, were close. When they, when they, I saw the results come out, on I think, on Twitter. It was 5 for Jimmy Butler, 4 for um, Caleb Martin. I wasn't surprised just because they're going to give it to star player usually. It's not like Jimmy had a bomb series. He he was still Jimmy Butler at the end of the day. Who do you give it to? Just just for the storyline, I love uh, Caleb Martin. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. I think like I feel like even the games that they lost, Jimmy struggled. Caleb Martin didn't, so he was more consistent in my opinion. Yeah. So like, does this cover the entire Eastern Conference run, or does it I just think the, just the finals? Just the Eastern Conference finals, yeah. right? So in that case, here's my point: is that like, Jimmy got you to the Eastern Conference finals. But Caleb Martin got you to the finals. Yeah. Right? Yeah, would you agree with that, right? 
Yes, you could argue that he, he was the second best player on that team. You could argue he was the best player on that team. Yeah, but I would still give it to Jimmy. He still <laughs> he still dropped like twenty. No, no. So game, like, but if Caleb Martin was di- was not there, do they make the finals? No. Right. Yeah, obviously, Unless someone else stepped up, which they didn't. And like, yeah, and obviously, game six. If they won game six, Caleb Martin had to have been the MVP. Right? Yeah, no, no, for sure. Hundred percent, like, right? Struggled, but. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. We know it's a star player award. But the funny thing I've noticed is, like, the awards are named after the Celtics legends. Bob Cousy was the actual trophy. Yeah. And the MVP was uh, Larry Bird. But uh, <laughs> and, it, and it was given in Boston. I know it happened last year as well, but it was in Miami. But I guess just quickly, Bam is still struggling offensively in the last few games, in my opinion. But he's been aggressive, especially in the defensive ends, which is fine. But when we talk about, the, I guess, when we talk about the Nuggets, it cannot happen. In that sense, I think Bam still needs to get back, like how he was the first two, three games. Like we saw him miss easy, um, like easy point points, essentially paint buckets. Yeah. Like we've seen it, like just rim out and stuff. Like, like those just short fades. Yeah, exactly. Those, like hook shots. And then for me, Jimmy Butler played like himself. Yeah, even though he struggled shooting in game five and six. It was it was decent. Like it was still. It like, wasn't box Jimmy for sure. Yeah, it was like forty two percent ish around yeah. there. I mean, and he still got like twenty eight, seven, and six, which is obviously a solid yeah. bounce back for, especially when you shot like five for like twenty three, something yeah, like that exactly. around there. So I mean, and he was clutch in that game four, and uh, sorry, game six in the fourth. But again, he he was fine. And then for me, the role players stepped up this last game. Kyle Lowry, your boy, <laughs> went like missed one shot only. He was he's the type of guy like I said for the Celtics essentially yeah 100% um, he is the type of guy then, for Celtics and then Duncan Robinson hit some timely shots this time he was like Duncan Robinson in this series what surprised me was he wasn't a, just a shooter he was cutting to the basket a lot and getting the easy layups as well or just getting rim, running to the rim and just getting the put back layup or whatever the case yeah that's be. what I feel like when every like 3 and D or 3 point shooter specialist right yeah three point specialist is like you could like you have everyone's gonna come out to you right so you have the freedom to obviously like pump fake take a step in and take a mid-range or obviously you know you could like fake a three or like off the ball you could just like run out to a three and cut back inside because obviously they're gonna be heavily guarding you on the three anticipating you getting the catch and shoot at the and three point range but like the moment you cut inside you got a free lane to the bucket and obviously you could always take free a free two points especially if you're like teams on a drought yeah like a or like a dry run he had some timely um two point buckets not the, just the threes and yeah six so like well. it just getting the matter of getting points right and then yeah. he's able to do it because of like that that's why like three point specialists are like i love them because like especially when they could like round out their game by doing those things like that right like clay thompson obviously you know when you think of him as three point right but like when he had when he's seen like Clay Thompson for the injuries, like in the finals against the Raptors. I remember seeing the game six, obviously, when he was going off and got injured. Yeah. He was like, he wasn't just like, he was creating buckets for himself. He was creating shots like in the mid range because he was able to pump fake, step in, take the mid range, or able to cut to the hoop because, like, obviously, you're going to, your first instinct as a defender, you want to guard him from the three. But then, obviously, if you're heavily going on a three, he could just do a backdoor cut easy too yeah i guess let's just start moving on to the finals but before i redo that heat culture right before the season people said he, the heat were done they're older they they don't have anyone outside of jimmy which is true on paper on paper key thing but you know heat culture could only get you some what far right which is true in a way because you do need the talent in this game like but 
it's shown again, like two finals in four years, that that culture is something. And for me, it starts with Pat Riley because the big thing is you've seen superstar players in the past fire, you know, have their coach fired because they didn't fit with this um, scheme was, or they said, for example, LeBron with David Blatt when he returned to Cleveland and got Ty Lue in there, right? And I don't know if you know this, LeBron was also trying to get Spo fired, but Pat Riley's like, nah, screw you. I'm keeping this guy. You guys need to adjust because he's not the problem. You guys are if that's the case. And you need someone like that. You need, you don't need someone like that just caters to the players. And Pat Riley's a winner, right? Like, he won a couple of championships with the Lakers as a player. Like, I watched the Legacy doc about the Lakers championships from, like, the 80s onwards, and he was a big part of it as the coach. He goes to Miami as an executive, won a final with D-Wade and Shaq, then, again, the Heatles. Uh, and then even, like, after that, you bring in a guy like Jimmy Butler, who is the definition of heat culture, right? And essentially, what people don't know, heat culture is essentially, like, you show up to, in shape, you got ready to work. If not, you ain't going to be on that team, right? There's a reason why they like guys like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max Struess. Max Struess was also released by the Celtics. <laughs> and he posted on Instagram today that like, ah, Eastern Conference Finals done, Finals bound, right? So what do you think of that? And is it legit? And other teams should follow this model in a way. I mean... And not other, not other teams in the NBA in general. Yeah, like in general in sports. Obviously, you want to give like, keep your star players happy. So like, I get that point. But the coach is in control at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So like, you got to be able to do what the coach expects of you. So if the coach expects you to come into the preseason fit, you got to better come to the preseason fit, right? No ifs, ands, about, if, ands and buts about it, right? And then um, you got to, is it, you just hustle, man. It's like, just hard work, being physical and being prepared physically and mentally. That's what it's about, right? And that's what every team needs. So heat culture, yes, you need talent, but like, you clearly could tell that like, Hard you work. You can't bitch and complain either. And yeah, you can't be complaining. You just got to put your head down and work. That's what Jimmy said in his post game. He's like, when I was out or like other guys like Kyle or Bam were out, guys stepped up. But they also knew that when they came back, they knew they had to go back into a role. And they never complained about it because they knew that was the expectation. Like when you hear someone like you see, um, like, you know, with the Lakers, for example, Lonnie Walker go nuts. He'll be given that opportunity. But then it might mess up someone else's like when for example i don't know austin reeves come back from injury type of thing then is he gonna stay there or not and he's really like what the hell why am i going down i'm playing well right in terms of the heat he's like that was not the case they just they accepted it they know what they are and that, look it's leading up to success. It helps, no one like, thought no one thought they were gonna be this far people they were almost out of the playoffs right they almost lost to the bulls it wasn't for what gabe vincent going off late in that uh, game uh they were almost out so yeah i guess i mean it's clear because like even last year the celtics did it too right they like they put your head they put their head down and played ball yeah right and then you have uh the sixers where obviously you have a bead just crying whining in the press conferences saying that oh last year saying that oh i need a uh, james Harden and uh, doc rivers to step up this year saying that oh me and james were good and then uh we needed help on the side when them themselves aren't playing great as well. There's a reason why the Heat also have the most comeback wins this year in the playoffs too. When you see that stat, like the Celtics were like oh and something, but the Heat were like five and something, like in the positive record too. So 
it's, this fine, I guess moving on to the finals, it's going to be something intriguing. So the Nuggets have finally found their opponent. Are they going to be rusty? Are they going to be rested? Who knows? Um, but they have a little history. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, Mar- even though he's not on the team anymore, but Markeith Morris? Yeah, yeah. When Jokic, Jokic. body-checked him, and then the whole Jokic brothers made a Twitter. It came to, like, was that last up. year? It was last year. That felt like a while ago. Either it was last year. Or I think it was last I'm year. Early, sure it was last early year. Early last year. Early last year, yeah. Markeith Morris missed a bit of the year. And it was... Um, yeah, so like they have some. It's not even just because like Marquise Morris was a thing. Jimmy Butler was out there like talking his shit too. Like, well, what are you guys doing? What the hell is this? Blah blah blah. So I don't know if that's gonna reaggravate in the series, but it might. But it's I don't know. Like for me, it's a hard one to predict. I guess we could start off with this: Who's stopping Jokic? That's because tough. the reason why I said Lakers and six wasn't a biased pick, I had reasoning behind it, right? Anthony Davis was the best player, is the best player in the defense and uh, on the defensive side of the ball in that playoff run, and he at points did slow him down, but not really either. Like Jokic still got his triple doubles, Jokic like was, 20, 30 point triple doubles. That's the thing. Like, so you're telling me Bam, who's undersized, is gonna do that? And they don't have the thing with Miami Heat is they don't have the size either. They don't because this and Denver's lengthy. Like Michael Porter Jr. is lengthy. Obviously, Aaron Gordon is pretty big himself. Octavius Caldwell Pope is pretty like big. Six five shooting guard. Yeah, so that like that's good size in Denver. And the thing with Jokic is he doesn't have to impact by points. Yeah, exactly. Right? So like he will always put his mark on his game no matter how. And then yeah, obviously stopping Jokic, like he's he's yeah, he like Davis was the best defensive player in this playoffs and he swept him. Yeah, so so it's gonna be difficult. It's a I, big key question, like how are you gonna really slow him down? Because he was not stopped at all. This like Rudy Gobert was a defensive guy. He was not obviously in the interior. Even he was not stopped. Jokic, um, Aiden, whatever. Uh, I'm not even gonna count that because Jock Landale played most of that. And then now you got, you had AD right. Even though when even when AD was off the court, no one could stop him. Literally, no one could stop him. And AD is on the court. Yeah, he had some trouble, but um. But I guess I could ask the same question about Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler is like the, he is a little hobbled too with the ankle. But is if he is brings a little bit back of the Miami version or the Milwaukee series version, who's stopping him? Because I don't know if there's like a like Aaron Gordon could be on him, but I don't know if it would be full time on him because he also is a forward, right? Contavious Caldwell Pope. I don't. He's a good defender. Jamal Murray obviously not. But Contavious Caldwell Pope. Yeah, he could do something, but I. I don't think he'll stop him. It has to be a committee thing for sure. So you could even ask on the flip side, what's who's going to stop Jimmy Butler? I mean, Aaron Gordon all, will obviously be the primary defender, in my opinion, because he was a primary defender on LeBron. So, like, I the feel like... The difference with that was LeBron was playing the, the four. Yeah, but Jimmy still... Butler's like... Jimmy's the three still. Yeah. So it's still a forward. It's still a wing. So, it's, so, there's so no, who's Michael Porter Jr., Gordon Guard? Who's the... F- uh, Probably like Strauss or someone. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it might be Aaron Gordon. But again, no, it's, it will Aaron be Aaron Gordon's Gordon. a good defender. But again, he isn't like this elite guy either. It's obviously going to be like a double team type, obviously yeah. with Jimmy. It's obviously a little bit, in my opinion, it's a little bit easier to uh, double team Jimmy than it is to double team uh, this, Jokic. This, this series is going to come down whose supporting cast will come out. And obviously, on paper, you would think it's the Nuggets on paper. But we can't disrespect no, the Heat anymore. You can't disrespect. I'm saying on paper, as in the name, the name level, right? Like how we've been saying it. But we've seen Caleb Martin can continue this going forward. Gabe Vincent has it had it in moments. Duncan Robinson has had it in moments. Kyle Lowry has had in has had his moments. Um, Max Struess as well. So 
for me, it's like, I guess the key is Jamal Murray. Is Jamal Murray going to be the Lakers' Jamal Murray? Then I feel like the Nuggets easily win this, right? Because I don't, no one's going to stop Jokic. And if Jamal Murray's dropping 30 a game like he kind of was, I don't think the Heat have a secondary star. And I know you're going to say Caleb Martin, but he hasn't really dropped 30 consistently. Yeah, but the thing with the Heat is they have like multiple. They don't, they don't only need one guy they could have. They always have but multiple then, guys. What if Michael Porter Jr. is hot? Three. So that's 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 where my key comes in is like who is the third option for the Nuggets that will pop off, right? I mean, KCP. It could be anyone. Yeah, I think Jr. had a capable shooting. Murray and Jokic together, in my opinion, yes. Like if they both pop off, like for like thirty plus, they could obviously win a game. But they're gonna need a third guy to drop, like you know, give them at least fifteen. And they have, they've showed it in all playoffs long, right? Like obviously, I saw it first time because I've watched the Lakers series. Bruce Brown off the bench. Um, KCP, um, Michael Porter Jr. as well. So it's um, who, Jamal Murray. Yeah, so Aaron Gordon is obviously questionable. But the other thing for me, now you look on the Miami side, what Bam are we going to get? Bam's going to have his handfuls with jo- Jokic. Right? Everyone's going to have their handfuls yeah, with Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So how much of that energy is going to be taken out of him on the offensive side? Yeah, Jokic isn't this great defender. I think I think I still think he's underrated. He's low key underrated. He's been pretty like. I'm not saying he's like a leader. Like he did pretty good leader. on Anthony Davis. Yeah, like he was decent. He did pretty well. Sure. He did well against Anthony. So Davis. If, he, if that was the case, then yeah, I, I would accept, expect him to hold his own on uh, Bam. Bam might be a little bit more athletic than AD, but even then, like he's shorter. So for me, it's like okay, which Bam are we gonna get? Are we gonna get the aggressive Bam or not? It's gonna really be tough because. Coming off a grueling seven game now, which in your head should have been like probably four or five. Yeah. So a seven games, three, but Denver you still have home. a three day rest. Denver elevation uh, as yeah, well. So, uh, so it's gonna be hard. I don't know how like, how much will the elevation be in effect? We will well, obviously we will know because we're not gonna be there. One. So one, that's like really up to the players. So the one thing is, can the Nuggets also be consistent? Because we saw in game one of the Lakers, they blew a twenty point lead, and you know how the Heat are in comebacks um even when like a game i think it was game three they were up like by 10 lakers came back right so they do let their foot off their foot off the gas a little bit so that's gonna be key in my opinion and i think the ultimate thing is the coaching battle i mean yeah we both have both our studs for sure they're both like arguably the top five both like spo being maybe number one um obviously i'm not trying to disrespect pop but i'm talking about the guys in the playoffs and Malone's probably like what top five in the league right now, and who's gonna make those adjustments quicker? Like, and what adjustments are in game adjustments are gonna be made, and how is it gonna get done? I mean, for the first adjustment, it's obviously gonna be how are the Nuggets gonna attack the zone defense? Because I feel like with Miami having so much success, they'll probably come out in the zone, right? Yeah, but that's the thing: can the Nuggets hit those shots down? Which I believe they can. Oh, they can because. KCP, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Jokic, Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown, uh, Christian Brown plays for off the bench. Christian Brown, then you have shot. Jeff Green who could obviously yeah, hit the so three. I, I think the ultimate ultimate thing for me outside of the players is gonna be which coach is gonna be the better coach. Like who's gonna do the adjustments on the fly and stuff like that. So so it's like it's tough because like the keys are who will win the coaching battle, how would the Heat uh, deal with the Jokic. How will the Nuggets deal with Jimmy? And then whose sporting cast are really going to show up? So there's like four or five big questions here that like it's going to be 
tough to answer so right now before the yeah. ultimate question game one is at the time of this podcast coming out is today right we're obviously filming this wednesday night so thursday game one if you were to, what's your prediction who wins it and how much and why just game one not game one just in general the, whole, the series. whole series yes i gotta go with the nuggets because like my question with the uh, Jokic to me has been the best player in the playoffs yeah he's right the best you would agree the there, right he's probably the best player in the nba right now and like jimmy yes had his had his milwaukee series but he's obviously slowed down yeah where like he's not this unstoppable force at the current moment obviously you could be him being jimmy obviously could just rip it up again yeah but we'll, we'll right now with the current form Jokic is just so hard to stop especially with the heat being undersized and then denver and overall probably almost all five positions having more length uh Jokic in the post will absolutely be dominating and even if he on the did, key no not like not the one i'm going to say is like even if he gets double team in the post we all know his passing abilities yeah. to kick it out to get a guy open three so for me i'll gonna go with the nuggets and i'll probably go in six games <laughs> that's exactly what i have pretty much exactly what you said um i just think on paper as well i think then the way they've been playing have been better than what the heat have shown recently especially because you should not been coming back from 3-0 down sorry 3-0 up and making that going to seven right and i think on uh, the way the nuggets have been playing all year um that cohesiveness and just that edge of being like underappreciated which they are i think they have it in six but with that being said i'm like the unknown drakers because i got everything wrong in this playoffs except boston winning game five so um even like game seven i got the prediction wrong when we go over to the nhl i got that wrong as well so but who would win game one um i'm giving it to denver i'm giving it to miami i'm giving it to denver. i think the wrestling wrestle get get to denver a little bit with that a week and a half being off we help them Yo. a little bit because it's in denver that's the main reason as well yeah denver like they're traveling to denver yes they have a couple of days off they have three days right so like they should this should be recovered like i don't think anyone really had like picked and up the other reason is they also have injury. the perfect home record right yeah denver playoffs. does have a perfect home that's record. the other reason why i have to, i'm like i'm the type of guy i have to see it to believe it if it like it's been going and it's been going well so i'm i'm going with denver game one and i think it will be split but I think I think both sides will be split, and then we'll win the last two. Yeah, I th- uh, I'm not sure like how it's gonna play out after, but I think Heat will steal Game One just because like they're in their they're in the groove a little bit right now. Obviously, coming off the big Game Seven win, and yeah. With and the, to be fair to the Heat, they also won a bunch of road games. Yeah, too, they so. won a bunch of road games, and uh, with the uh, with Denver being a week and a half off, you don't know what could get to them. True, but yeah, that's our predictions: Nuggets and six. Nuggets and six. So that means the Miami Heat are your NBA champions. That's your fault. I know, but no. Um, I do. I, I hope it's. I hope I'm right because I believe this team is the better team. But I guess let's move on. Bef- before we do that, I just have a quick question. This is obviously regarding the comebacks. Um, so say if the Boston Celtics pulled off the three zero, right? Yeah. What would have been more embarrassing, the Heat losing the three zero, or when the the Warriors blew the three one to 3-1. the Cavs? has to be right um only because that was the greatest team in regular season nba history 3-1 up and 
the Heat or the eighth seed. They weren't even supposed to be. Yeah, there. right. So it's like it's more embarrassing as a for me. It's the, the best team in the NBA. Yeah. NBA, one of the best teams in NBA history, to uh, blow a three-one series, and then uh, compared to an eight seed blowing a three-zero series yeah. to like probably one of the best teams in the NBA yeah, that exactly. season. But no, before I move on, sorry, I forgot to bring up one last thing here. It's a little bit, a little bit before that. I'll just skip past it. Um, you've heard this. You saw it on social media. You probably saw it on the um, sports channels and stuff like that. This is supposed to be the lowest rated NBA finals. How much bullshit do you think that is? And how mm. much is it just because of the casual fan? It just it's just probably casual fans because obviously you would rather the have a chance Laker, of a yeah. Lakers Celtics probably got up, here's, here's hyped my, up everyone. Here's my theory to this, right? True basketball fans will know like Jokic is a superstar. Yeah, he might not be this flashy. Like he he's like a Tim Duncan personality in a way too, right? He's a superstar. He's the best player in this playoffs. You're embarrassing a guy in an underdog story with the Miami Heat right now, the eighth seed, seven seed playoff and loss, eight seed. That's a story in itself, right? You're going to have a new NBA champion this year again. And the other thing I want to bring this up, I have a friend at work, and he's not a big, like, he's a very casual now sports guy who's moving up in the ranks, right? He's more of a F, known for an F1 thing, uh, type, uh, F1. That's his favorite sport. But he's slowly got it into other sports, and he's like, he's pumped for this. Like he's like he saw he saw Jokic play, and he was pumped. He messaged me after I think the uh, Derek White game winner. He's like, bro, what the hell just happened? And messaged me in Game Seven. He's pumped, and he's a casual fan. Yeah. So if you watch these guys play, you'll know that this is actually an anticipated matchup, in my opinion. It is because like like we've mentioned before, there's so many questions, right? Yeah. Like. Of the Jokic, who will defend Jokic? Who was a better coach? Because like, both coaches are so good. Can the eight seed win both it both role players are so good for each team? And the, can the eight seed finally win it? Can the eight seed finally win? Denver being you know the best team in the West all season, and wanna have probably the best offense in the playoffs. So it's it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to like predict. And then obviously it's like there's a storyline, right? There's like an eight seed, an underdog story. Beat the one seed, beat the two seed, beat a five seed. Right, and then you have another team where like they're the one seed, but they always been overlooked the whole playoffs, and now they're in the finals. Yeah, um, I guess let's move on to the um, off, off the court, court stuff. And the reason why a lot of the news is happening now is because there's a little grace period, and the same thing with the NHL when we get to it. But NBA breaking news came out today, right before we started, probably a couple like one or two hours before. Monty Williams, your targeted head coach, is not a Toronto Raptor. <laughs> you're obviously disgusted right now it's not he's, even that there's even worse news he went after. to the pistons there's even and there's even worse news yeah after. i know we'll get to that in a second but this one we have to lead off with he also signed a six-year contract which is usually not often happening anymore and he signed it for 72 million and i saw a report from shams that it could depending on incentives could go up to eight years 100 mil as well That's so pistons are clearly rebuilding the, he has the leash. He ha, he's not going to get fired in time soon unless he does something crazy, miraculously dumb. Your thoughts, right fit, right spot, outside of being biased of the Raptors side of things? I mean, yeah, obviously, like, with a coach like Monty Williams, the way he did with his sons, took him to the next level. So, like, a team like Detroit on all those young guys, like Cade, Jaden Ivey, they'll definitely benefit from it. And, like, obviously, you know, because he took, like, Devin Booker, uh, Mikel Bridges, you know, obviously, he made campaign of probably one of the good best bench players yeah. that year. So, 
definitely Monty Williams was Monty he, Williams for me Monty Williams was a fit anywhere yeah he, he's a good culture setter you got a guy with Cade Cunningham like you said Jaden Ivey like you said Isaiah Stewart um, whoever they pick with the fifth pick this year so one either the one of the Thompson twins or whatever the case is so yeah, uh, I was more surprised. I wasn't surprised because I saw a report this morning that the Pistons are willing to pay a lot of money. And then my friend texted me because I was um, obviously preparing for the podcast. And he's like, bro, he got paid. And I'm like, what the hell? I look at the uh, take of my phone and I'm like, wow, he did. Right. So that's good because like sticking with the coaches thing, Spolstra, 14 years with the Heat, Malone, eight years. So give him the time. He might make him into a playoff team sooner than you think. Because it's so stupid how, like, some coaches just get fired, like Monty Williams himself, right? So, um, even with uh, Frank Vogel, in my opinion, with the Lakers. So, it's like, he has that leash, he has that time. So, let's see what he does with it. And this contract shows that if they fire him, then their Pistons are just doing front offices on drugs, in my opinion. Because you're not going to dish out that type of money and then fire him after, like, a couple of years. Bro, look at the Suns, right? They were, like, they were a laughing stock, right? Uh Obviously, they were improving a little bit. You could see them improving year by year. But then Monty uh, Monty comes, takes them to the NBA Finals. Yeah. So, I guess let's move on to the next one, the one that you're disgusted with. Monty Williams, good hire. Obviously, we'll get into your Raptors in a second. But speaking of the Raptors, former Raptor, head coach, championship winning coach, Nick Nurse, who declined the Suns position and the Bucks position. And is now the Sixers coach. Yeah, I think he might be pissed off at the Raptors, right? <laughs> uh, but why first Philly? First reaction, first reaction from you. Why Philly? Why you got to do this to me, right? <laughs> why Philly? Uh, it's funny because like, Embiid and Nurse were like, we're going after it a little bit in the last year's playoff series, right? Saying that like, yeah. Nurse saying that like, Embiid's flopping, which he does. And then Embiid saying that like, oh, he should shut up. <laughs> he should shut up. You guys are fouling and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, from what I read, um, like I said, he turned on the Bucks job. He turned down the Suns job. And it's because of Embiid he wanted to join. And just like the the ability to play with that superstar. And the other thing is I'm happy that the Sixers went this route because the rumors were D'Antoni. Then you know it was going to be James Harden's team, which is going to be the dumbest thing in my opinion because I don't think James Harden deserves to have his own team anymore. Um, so I think it's the right fit because like Nick Nurse didn't want some of the best – work with the Raptors when he had a capable big man, right? Not playing Pascal at the five. He was, you know, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka were capable big men. Even JV for the start of that um, championship tenure. So, it's, it's, I think it's a good hire for sure. Um, now, Sixers moved on from coaches pretty quick again in Doc Rivers. So, I don't, I hope it's not the case. I hope Nick Nurse does well. But I know I'm not a big Sixers guy. You're definitely not a Sixers guy. So, it's a, it's a little bittersweet for you. But I'm happy he got a job right away. Like him and Monty both deserve it. Yeah, they it. both deserve it. So it it doesn't matter in that sense. But I mean, it's good for a beat. And like Nick Nurse, like they like Philly as players, like Nick Nurse will be in control, right? There's no like BS where like Joel and Beads running the team, right? Yeah. Like it has to be Nick Nurse. It's someone out of the trust of I guess it was Doc Rivers, but the trust of process thing. And plus, Nick Nurse has shown on like Doc Rivers that he'll switch shit up. Yeah, he'll and switch so, it up. He'll bench his star players. Not even just that, like well, like um, the better players, you know, the, the box and one in the NBA Finals, for example. Like he'll do a lot of things. Now <laughs> the question is, 
how big the depth, how good is the depth going to be? Because Embiid might be playing 50, 45 minutes a game, essentially. Yeah, that's <laughs> so the thing, that, right? Like, and he has an injury-prone issue, so it depends on nah, what the Embi- is Embi- Embiid's going to be load manage. Like, front office is going to step in and, like, load Who knows, manage. Though? No, he is. There's no question. They, need to definitely find a they did it with Kawhi one. Leonard. But they right. got a capable team around him still. I don't think this team without Embiid is great, depending on... I guess we'll talk about it in the offseason. Yeah, but the, the Eastern Conference isn't as great either. Like they, still sh- they should True. still make the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I guess moving on, just so the only people teams remaining, I think, on the top of my head that do not have a position are the Suns and the Raptors. Obviously, the Suns struck out on Nick Nurse. So their, own, their option is Doc Rivers is one of the candidates, which I think will be stupid to hire him, in my opinion, after his recent failures. But as a Raptor fan now, you wanted Monty Williams. What's out there for you? Obviously, you're not a big, you're not into like what who, who are the great coaches. Adrian Griffin is no longer on. You're available to be your head coach as well. So, who do you think it should be? Names out there like Steve Nash, JJ Redick, Becky Hammond. I think Becky Hammond may not come anymore. So, we'll give your thoughts for a little minute or two here. I'll be honest with you. I have no clue. I was just so dialed in on Monty Williams. I was like, just get him, bro, and you guys will be set. But now, there's a fall off in my opinion, right? Like, and you could obviously see it. With obviously JJ Redick, he's on ESPN. Uh, I don't think he should come in. The Steve Nash, yes, he has experience now, but he, his he tenure, his sure. tenure with Brooklyn wasn't great. I don't blame Steve Nash hundred percent. I yeah, do no. blame Steve Nash, but I don't. But I, if I'm just you're keeping it straight as a straight to the point, his tenure at Brooklyn wasn't great. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, exactly for sure. Becky Hammond, obviously. WNBA champion last year, NBA experience as a uh, assistant under Pop, but the thing is that the Vegas, I don't know if she, I don't know if she's ready to leave that team. That's why I was a little bit surprised when I saw her reports that like, yo, you just she just wanted to chip with them. So I don't really, I don't, and me personally, I didn't feel like she was like you know ready to leave the v- Las Vegas Aces. How would you feel about Frank Vogel? Do you think there's no point? You'd rather just go with a young coach and just see how. I yeah, I mean out? now it's just like. For me, if I if we wanted like any uh, chance of like you know being that team again, it had to be with uh, Monty Williams and obviously you know a big piece in the summer. But now it's just like just rebuild. Just get a young, in my opinion, just get a young coach. Just get a young coach. You've seen success with what um, the Thunder have done with also quickly rebuilding that with a young coach. You know, um, Orlando is doing decent with a young coach. I think I think his name Jamal McGlore. I think his name is. and you've, yeah, so you've seen that Quinn Schneider's off the picture too. If he, that's the one, if you wanted to target, he's on the Hawks. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't know if they, we'll find out news this week, or otherwise it'll be after the NBA Finals. Another breaking news that came out yesterday, which we kind of broke based on Shams' tweet, was Bob Myers has now officially um, stepped away. He said it was time to leave, um, and he doesn't know what he's gonna do yet. He hasn't decided. Um, if it's going to just take a break or is he going to get a job anytime soon? So for me, Bob Myers, hell of a tenure, man. Like you build a dynasty for four championships in like less than 10 years. You bring in somehow fit Kevin Durant. Uh, yes. Outside of Warrior fans are like, oh, yeah, that's stupid. They hate the Warriors because of it. But that's not his job. His job is to win championships. And if you could bring in the arguably the top three player at that time, you do it. And he did it. And he made it work in a way. So he did a hell of a job. Whoever comes in, um, right now it's rumored to be Mike Dunleavy. I think he's the assistant in, in the front office. Uh, definitely has some, some shoes to fill because there are question marks on this roster now as well. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one hundred percent dynasty. Bob Myers did a job. Yeah, right? as simple as that. Like, he did more than his job. Right, I wouldn't say like his job is to win one. He's won four. He's won with Katie. He's won without Katie. Obviously, he's won where Steph was the Finals MVP. He's won where Steph or Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala was his Finals MVP. So he he's got the job done, right? And like, there's nothing else to say to like, you know, well done. Yeah. So. So the job that he's linked to right now is the Wizards because I think they have an opening, so that's a big one. But also news coming out of the executive side of things, Scott Perry um, from the Knicks has not getting extended. So now that's why with a guy like Bob Myers available, there might be teams that be you know what let's let let's try to get a bidding in for this guy. Maybe they have to get rid of their GM. Maybe they could try to get him and then fire their guy. So I won't be surprised if more positions like this open up out of nowhere especially with contracts running out yeah um i definitely don't know what's gonna happen with ball myers but whatever he does like he's earned right so i don't know what the warriors are probably yeah you could like say hired assistant but it's gonna be a big loss for sure yeah okay let's move on you want to do some quick fire quickly before we yeah, get let's the go. so quick fire sticking with basketball this news just came out before we started recording Zach Eady, it's related to the drafting. Big Canadian who was the player of the year out of Purdue. Um, was He had declared for the draft, was supposed to be like a second-round pick, is uh, going back to Purdue. So he's going to finish off one more year, which I think is a, the right thing in my opinion because it gives him a chance to develop because he isn't like that typical NBA big. And Purdue shot the bet again <laughs> in the in the March Madness run this year. So yeah, sixteen seed, right? Yeah, they so were the one seed. I think it's smart for him to come go back. Yeah, Edie like Edie was good, like that season. Like even in that game, he wasn't bad. Like he was the only one. The problem that is, really produced. But then it, the games involved were like a big like him. It won't work. Is really probably at best a backup. Bit. Yeah. So I guess that's that. that uh, the news for that, and let's go to some footy talk. Um, the Europa League was today. Uh, the Sevilla the Championship. The Sevilla Championship they League is today. They should this championship the Sevilla Championship because they beat AS Roma in penalty. So it was 1-1. AS Roma scored in the first half. I was listening to it at work. And Sevilla scored in the second half. It was an own goal, I believe. And there was... Dude, this game had... I don't know how many injury times in the yeah. first two halves. How many yellow cards. The, extent, like, the amount of time wasted. And... um. Yeah, then the PKs ended four one. Yeah, so like if you're a if you're a soccer fan or a football fan, wherever, wherever you are in the world, um, you would know that like six plus add six added minutes after hundred twenty is very yeah, rare. Each half that ended except for the first extra time half. Yeah, half. so like hundred twenty minutes, like seven eight minutes. Like even if it even if it was like decent, like you felt like it would be like three four. They usually give like two or one, right? Yeah, the fact that they give six after 120, like obviously, I think a lot of stuff happened. I was listening to the a game. A lot of like, stuff I'm happened. Like, yeah, up, man, like two, three free kicks happened for two, Roma. three fake free kicks. I think uh, I don't know if this wasn't the extra time, but like Mourinho beefed on the yeah, the you have Mourinho coaching so stuff. And shit then was uh, gonna go down. Then Matic went down like multiple times. Yeah. I was watching. So speaking, speaking but of, but it was fun. It was weird to see like a six added minutes after 120. Speaking of uh, Mourinho, classic, they were up one nothing, parked the bus, and failed. So, uh, as good of a coach he is, and as much as a winner he is, sometimes that, in my opinion, that strategy doesn't work all the time. Yeah, but, like, Roma weren't bad. It was, like, an even it final. Was an even it was an even final, sure. too. Um, Sevilla 
were definitely the better team in the second half. They but Roma somehow made the Champions League, like finishing 13th place. And then they were like Chelsea fired two coaches, yeah, but they then, actually did it for the better. Yeah, and then Roma was better in the first half. Obviously, Dabala with a great finish. Yeah, and then Sevilla did create a good goal. It just that you know it went off the defender, but like the ball in the box was like a dangerous one for sure. Yeah, I guess the last thing is the FA Cup final is this Saturday. And our beloved Manchester United are playing its crosstown rivals in a Manchester derby against Manchester City. A um, couple of injury reports. Martial's out. So please do not start Weghorst and start Garnacho. <laughs> That's my take, number one. Yeah, do not number, start Weghorst, Number man. two, um, I think City also has some injuries. I think a report came out. It was like De Bruyne, Grealish, and I forgot who it was. I think it was a center back. I'm not too yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know it was De Bruyne They were and questionable, so, but I'm not sure if they're playing or not. I think De Bruyne at least might play. So they have the depth. So even if Grealish is out, they have Foden. So it doesn't matter too much. But I guess quickly, your prediction? I have to be biased. <laughs> okay, do not be biased. I will be biased. <laughs> Man United will win in PKs. I'm going, I'm obviously rooting for Man United, but just being real here, I think City will win 3-1. Yeah, uh, it's in, in regular hard. time. In regular time. If uh, I'm being man. real, but obviously, just me, just because I made this prediction doesn't but, mean I'm but, going against. But but thing United. is, how much, like obviously, City won the treble, right? But if even if they win this and don't win this Champions League, right, they will obviously care. But if they lose this and win the Champions League, it hurts more. No no no, right? No, if they win this and lose the Champions League, it obviously hurts more. But if they lose the FA Cup, and then then win the Champions League. That's still like a dub, as good as they're yeah, probably celebrating I mean, as much as a, a, a treble. Yeah, because their their goal is Champions League, obviously, but they also want to make be the next team, English team outside of United, to you know win. But I guess we'll find out. Obviously, let's go United. But to be real, I think City might win this out. Um, I guess let's move on to the final things. NHL, the Stanley Cup Finals are set with that. But before we get to that, did you even watch Game Six? Uh first period. <laughs> Um, and then the first period told the story. I got home and it was like three or four nothing, and I'm yeah, like, "Those threes are on the first right, period." All right, NBA time it is because that was at least close until the second half. Until the yeah, second half. So, um, I we don't even need to recap anything other than like what Dallas fans left in the third period, and like the stadium got empty. Yeah. Um. I'm just quickly. Um. Golden Knights just dominated them. Obviously, six zero win. Right, oh, and then like like I mentioned, like I've said, like probably every single pod. Dallas rely on Oranger, and if Oranger is not there, they ain't winning. So it I doesn't guess, matter what they do in the in the their forward or defensively. Yeah, like, if so, the Oranger ain't there, they're not winning. So going into the guess the off season quickly before no, we'll quickly like oh, stars. Okay. You could talk about it. I didn't yeah, watch this game. so like I watched the first period. All right, so you you take stars. It I believe uh, Vegas. I think won. Uh, they scored the first goal, and I think in every single game. Okay. Right. Obviously, stars were always playing from behind, and then, uh, yeah, three zero. Like, obviously, you can't blame Andre fully because they were down three zero, with uh, sixteen shots allowed in the first period, while they produced seven only. So offensively, they weren't doing anything. Defensively, allowing sixteen shots in a period is it's quite a bit, right? Like, what would you say the average is? Right, probably around ten, right? Yeah. And then like thirty per game, like. Obviously, Vegas obviously, with a 3-0 lead, they're going to let off. They're going to take the foot off the gas. And then um, they did not test Aiden Hill enough in the series. In the two games they did, they won. But every time they didn't, they lost. 
And, this and then uh, also William Carlson, absolutely on fire because he got two goals in that game. And uh, he got his 10, 10 goals in the playoffs now as well. So Vegas is really looking dangerous right now. How many guys are left from the original expansion team? It's him, like Marshall. Riley Smith. Um, Shea, Alec Martinez and Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore. Those are the top that come in my head right away. Was Martinez doing another one? I'm not too sure, actually. I don't even know. But the, the four guaranteed are the- Theodore uh, and then the three forwards. Yeah. But, no. Um, obviously, the Drake curse thing from my end. I said stars in seven. Clearly didn't live up to what happened. Yeah, I mean. But, I again, th- going into the offseason with that, like exactly what you said, they need to buffer their defense up. Defensive style a bit. Not just the, the defense, but even defensive forwards, maybe. Because, like you said, they're relying on Ottinger way too much. And it's not going to cut it. We've seen it with the Canucks. Like, how much could you rely on Thatcher Demko? They're going to, like, with Ottinger, they're going to, like... He's tired. And, he's like, tired. He's going to get injured at some point, right? He is tired. And you don't know what happens with goalies. They're, like, always on an up-and-down trajectory. And the other thing is, like, they don't have a game-breaker, in my opinion. Like, some teams do. Like, yeah, Jason Roberts is good. Rupe Hintz was good. Great. This playoffs, but... They, they weren't like they're not like obviously I'm not even gonna say McDavid because no one's McDavid but they weren't even like Matthew Kachuk I guess you could say like they don't have anyone Ooh, like that it's, it's hard obviously it's gonna be tough but if you I have mean, a, the way that Matthew Kachuk is playing team, but you need a team it's kind of hard to get but you still need a proper team by committee yeah and, I know like, I was always spec uh, skeptical on Dallas so the fact they made it this far I was a little surprised bro they're 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 gonna be a team to watch out for in the next few years I'm telling you that right now and obviously. They don't need Matthew Kachuk. They have this player, Rupe Hintz and Jason Robinson are those guys. We'll and they're showing it, bro. Like, look at Rupe Hintz. They weren't here. Be- Rupe Hintz didn't perform. They were getting out in the first round. He performed. They yeah. got past a while. No, I, I get that. I just, like, I don't know. Watching them in the regular season, I guess, I know it's a different style of hockey. It's just, like, I, I'm like, I don't know if this team... Like, last year, they struggled. Like, they weren't... Like, they're up and down teams, so we'll see what happens next yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, it's diff- like, you have to assess them, like, obviously, year by year because they always go up and down. Yeah. But... Bro, like, they, Rupe Hintz is that dude. Jason Robinson is that dude. And that line, the first line, is, like, one of the best lines in the NHL. Yeah. So, they have that line that, like, you obviously break games. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't comment too much, but... For me, it's, like, dumb. They don't really have uh, anyone, in my opinion, after Miro Heiskanen. On the defensive side. Yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. For sure. I, I think they need to target some people. Like, Niels Lundqvist, I don't know how much he... Like, they, that was their big acquisition, which was a good fit at the time obviously i haven't heard his name much during this playoff so i don't even know if he was injured or if he was playing or not so i guess yeah they definitely need to buffer the yeah uh, like other like i was looking at their cap before bro they made some good deals because uh rupe hence is locked up for eight years yeah on eight mil and then robinson has three rfa years left and he's like a 7.7 7, so I that, believe. that will determine it. So they and then obviously Heisken ends obviously like on eight by eight and a half or nine something. yeah so i think he has like around six years remaining yeah and then Ottinger has, I believe, two or three RFA years, like, at four mil. Yeah. You know what's funny? That they're two highest-paid players, Sagan and Ben. They're the only two. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be their only concern. But Sagan... Uh, oh, and Jamie Ben, of course, comes back and doesn't win. Oh, yeah. Ja- <laughs> they're 0 for 4. <laughs> they're 0 for 4 with Jamie Ben. 0 for 4 with Jamie Ben, yeah. Him. I mean, might as well just let him, like, just stay off, right? I mean, we know it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, obviously. All right, let's move on to the Stanley Cup final. Florida finally got their opponent after sweeping their way to the final. And we are officially starting on Saturday, game one. So, um, I guess the first key for me was Bobrovsky, straight up. 
<laughs> there's well, obviously it's Bobrovsky. Like he's been killer all playoffs long, and like Panthers leaned on him. He's the reason why they won the Bruins series in the first place. So, and the way that the Vegas Golden Knights are playing right now, Bobrovsky has to be the best player in the series. Yeah, um, Carolina was dominating in open play, open ice, a little bit. So yeah, like you said, it was Bobrovsky for the most part in that the four games they played. And they're all, all they were all one goal games as well, right? So, um, if Bobrovsky doesn't play well, you, obviously that the series could end in like four, four or five, maybe. If Bobrovsky plays well, they could either win it or keep make it go um, long, right? And the other key is, can Vegas slow down their offense? Because you know, in the last series, you saw how much Vegas turned over the puck a lot, and you have killers in Kachuk, Carter Verhage. Guys like that, Barkov, Barkov, Reinhardt, and uh, Sam Bennett as well, right? And on the back end, you still have Ekblad and Montour, um, Gusto Forsling, and all these guys um, leading the line. So um, that's going to be another key thing for Vegas to limit the turnovers and can Florida uh, capitalize on it? Yeah, um, for sure, Vegas is a better team. I feel like they've been pretty dominant throughout the run. Like they handle the Jets pretty well. Oilers, yeah, a little bit tougher in game six still. And then Stars, they were in the driver's seat the whole time. They just made it tough on themselves. Yeah. But they still got the job done, right? They weren't, like, they're like they're finishing this in six. And they did it emphatically with a 6-0 win. Yeah, so I guess on Vegas um, side of also things is, A, can Stone still be healthy? And um, can Jack, Jack Eichel um, even go... F- further it's, yeah can. because like jack i think with jack eichel you played so well but uh he didn't really like point produce much in the dallas series uh definitely not goal he didn't produce any goals so if he could like if he could do that i don't know how i don't know how the vegas golden knights will lose yeah i know exactly um for me it's like <laughs> um I, I don't even know yeah like pretty much for me, it's like, can Kachuk and the forwards carry offensively? And can Bobrovsky be Bobrovsky? Otherwise, it could be just a quick series, in my opinion. But um, is there anything else you want to add in terms of the I mean, like, X-Factors? Obviously, like Kachuk has to play, like, you know, how he's been playing, for sure. And then, yeah, Carter Verhege has to make his impact. But one thing was really good about the... That I really liked about Florida Panthers in the Carolina series was uh, that Barkov got on the score sheet. So that's like really encouraging for me because uh, there's some like because they're like pretty decently like lined up offensively, right? Like you have obviously Kachak, Barkov, Reinhardt, Verhage, Duclair, who's healthy now. So like you got people who go put the puck in the net. So if they're like on their game, they could for sure, you know, match Vegas offensively. And then they're like they have to test Aiden Hill, right? Like yes, Aiden Hill's been great. One of the best, like probably one of the best stories in the um, NHL playoffs for sure, but he's still Aiden Hill, and you still gotta test him, right? Exactly. Like he's like, yes, he's been on a good stretch of games, but he's still like considered a backup, right? Like he was a fourth goalie for this team, and yes, he's playing like a starter, yeah. But Florida, you, you gotta treat him like you know you gotta really test him for sure. The other thing that'll help Florida causing those turnovers are how they play like high pressure. 
Yeah, the four check is good. Yeah, so like the four checking, the fast pace game, it, it's in their favor for sure. If Vegas is in control, then Vegas will obviously win. So with that being said, do you want to move on to the predictions or do you want to say anything else? Yeah, let's go predictions. You want to go first or do you want me to go first? Go first. <laughs> you, I went first last time. All right, ones. so um, I went Vegas winning it in seven. And the reason why I'm saying seven is I don't think Bobrovsky will be bad. Uh, I think he'll carry the momentum. Because like, usually when a goalies are on a run like this, they, they don't lose it that quickly in, in a playoff stretch. And we've seen it with uh, Jordan Bennington and Braden Holpe during their cup runs. So I, I still believe that Bobrovsky will carry them a bit here. And uh, and I believe that even on the offensive side, Florida will make it tough. But, at this, but ultimately, I believe... Obviously, Vegas home ice and um, just their ultimate. They have the, um, what's the word, uh, the defensive capabilities. And they also have the experience more so than Florida does. And the other key thing will be, I guess, the, the coaching matchups. So obviously, Paul Maurice is experienced, but how much can he adapt to what Bruce Cassidy does? But more so for me, is just the players. And if Vegas control the, um, the game, they will win it. And I... I know Brosk will make it tough, so that's what I'm going to say in seven. So here's what I'm leaning. Like, I'm leaning, obviously, Vegas. But if Bobrovsky is the best player in the series, Florida can't lose. Because if the best player in the series is a goalie, right? Like, you saw Carolina. Right? They were probably, like, it was clear. Like, you would agree that Carolina was the best team in the East until they faced Florida. Yeah, but how injured are Vegas, though, compared to what Carolina was? In that series as well. Like, for me, it's like, yeah, I know Carolina went far. Don't get me wrong. The injuries, but they ultimately the injuries came up and bit them. So, I mean, no, Bobrovsky bit them. That too, but the injuries, the injuries bit them, also bro. helped in that. Yeah, obviously, like injuries. If you had Max Pacioretty and, um, and probably they're arguably their second best player, Andre Svechnikov, it would have been definitely a lot more tougher for sure. Whereas in this case, Vegas is relatively healthy, right? Mark Stone is playing. William Carlson, like you said, had a great. Um, couple of games in the last series as well. He's have great playoffs overall as well. Like thing is, like part of me wants to just pick the underdog. I don't, don't get me wrong. If, yeah. Like with the when it came to the Miami um, Denver series, I like obviously you're leaning towards Miami just because of Kyle Lowry, but I don't. I believe you don't really care because you're also a Jokic guy, right? Um, in this case, I don't want Vegas to win <laughs> personally. I'm, I'm yeah. out there saying it, but I'm I'm also you know going up into this. I'm being real with myself as well that I know Vegas is obviously the better team. Right. Yeah. Florida is the goalie is better, but the goalie is playing way better is the key in that series. But I want to go with the underdog story again with this. But I that's why I went Vegas in seven. So I, I really wanted to pick Florida, but I, I, I just couldn't. Yeah. Um. For me, it's just like that for me, where I'm having conflict is like if a goalie is the best player in the series, your team will most likely win. And then Bobrovsky has shown that he could be the best player in the series in the last uh, couple series. So, but Vegas has just been, like I said before, handled the Jets, handled the Oilers, handled the Stars. And, uh, yeah, I, I, they've, been look, they've been looking like really like killer. Obviously, clearly the best team in the West. They were the number one seed in the West as well. And, uh, well, I'm not sure. Were they number one? Were they ahead of Colorado? I'll back check. Yeah, the I'm pretty sure they, obviously they're, but still, they were the best team in the West. Like Colorado, at the end of the day, lost to Seattle. And then for that reason, like, the way that they handled the Stars, I was a little bit surprised. Like, they went up 3-0 in my 
uh, when I was personally looking at it, but I would go with Vegas and six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Vegas was the best team. Vegas was the best team. Yeah, I would go Vegas. By two and points, six. but yeah, they were the best team. Yeah, um, Vegas and six just makes sense for me just because. Um, that that was my idea. They had, like like I said before is like they have four lines running, bro. Like all four lines are going. Yeah. Right. That. They have their defense going. Yes. And even more luckily for them, they have Aiden Hill going, which yeah. is probably the most surprising part. That was my ideal pick. I wanted to say Vegas in five or six, but I I have to give Abrowski the edge. I don't think you fall off that quickly, and they have the defensive capabilities of helping Bobrovsky. But I, again, I think Vegas firepower might be a little bit just too much in my opinion but i will not be surprised if florida wins it obviously i'm slightly rooting for them the luongo interest and i want to see a guy like kachuk win the way the type of run he's on and obviously being a, a division rival i'm not going to say they're real rivals with the canucks yet but i don't want to see them win for that reason as well and especially a team coming into the league five years later t- uh, six years later they're in two finals and winning one i don't want to see that happening anytime soon so that's the other reason why i'm going for florida i think was vegas also like they had choke moments before in the playoffs as well yeah the previous years for sure like last year they didn't even make it at all and the year before that uh i'm not sure what happened the year before that did they whatever but like there was a year where they lost to dallas in the semis uh the, in the conference finals where they had freaking like anton kudobin in that and did it Jason Robertson and like all these Rupe Hintz guys weren't like, you know, weren't the, weren't the key players yet. Like weren't aren't weren't what they are now. And then Vegas was clearly the better. The, clearly that year in the bubble, Vegas was the best team. Didn't Montreal West. beat them the year that? Yeah, yeah, it was Montreal. Yeah, Montreal <laughs> beat them. Yeah, like you wouldn't think that would happen like, that Mo- year too. So like, it's weird. And then they choked against San Jose in their I think second but or third year. Obviously, other than their first year in the league, this is been their best run and yeah but the thing with this run is like it's been more dominant than that first year yeah no i mean yeah i think we both went with vegas obviously so i went in seven i'm just giving i'm just giving the respect to Bobrovsky. that's mainly the reason why otherwise i would have probably went vegas in five to be honest with you but um anything else to add before we go into the off ice stuff no, uh, let's just go to off ice. We have a bunch of hirings. Yeah, head coaching. so obviously I was listening to Halford and Bruff, and they brought up a good point where like Gary Bettman doesn't want any news during the NHL playoffs. So a bunch of the off off ice hires usually happen in this period, and then otherwise they have to wait a week before the draft. And especially with the GM stuff, you kind of want to start before. So with the news that came out today, again in the morning, um, Brad Trey Living is now the Maple Leafs GM replacing Kyle Dubas. Um, formerly of the Calgary Flames GM. And the thing that confuses me with this, and I'll let you go into it, is um, Kyle Dubas didn't get past the second round. Obviously, this was the year, otherwise the first round. As good as um, as good of a job ha- he has done, maybe outside of the goaltending, Brad Trey Living hasn't also been out of the, first, the second round for this year. Like last year, they got destroyed by the Oilers in the second round. And like other years, I think it was with Bob Hartley, he also had a lot of coaching turnovers. So, but for me, Bradshaw Living, before I let you go, he made a good roster. He made the good trades. And he dished out some bad contracts, I would say, in my opinion. The thing with the Bradshaw Living is this. Obviously, he's experienced, right? So, in my opinion, it's a good hire, good replacement. The thing with Brad, Bradshaw Living, where his situation was a little bit different than Kyle Dubas's, is that I believe, when I was listening to Jeff Merrick when I was heading to school, uh, he didn't get to pit, 
the coach, really. So that's the key question I have. What's happening with Sheldon Keefe? So the thing was like Sutter. I don't think he was. I don't think he like he was involved they, in decisions. Yeah, there was like, like the ownership hire. Yeah, it was like so. more of an ownership hire, right? So then obviously with the trades he made with Huberto and uh, Mackenzie Weger for Kachuk, uh, it was clear that like Huberto does not fit Sutter. Yeah. And they don't they don't match that's, right. Yeah, so, for sure. That's like the, you don't have a fifty five point fall off. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, Just because you like completely stuck, yeah. right? Like the, there's there's other reasons to it as well. The other thing is, like I said, Tree Living made some good trades. Like he made, uh, yeah, older player in Huberto, but you got rid of Kachuk for Huberto and Weger. Now yeah, the contracts you dished out to Huberto and Nazem Kadri ain't the greatest, right? That's where I said that's where his downfall is. You know, signing also well he didn't um he signed James Neal but traded him for Milan Milan Lucic but. Um, but he's made trades, right? Like, no, I wasn't. Bl- I don't blame him for the Markstrom contra- contract. I think that was like a fair contract because, like, I think the Oilers were gonna match it, but in the five years instead of the six years. So, the question is, because Brad, how much is Brandon Shanahan gonna be in charge more so again, and how much um of a Citri Living will get, and what else will he do is the key question, because if he does make the move. He has the experience of moving a big piece like Kachuk. So does Marner or Matthews or Nylander? I don't think Tavares gets moved, but will one of them get moved as well? I mean, Matthews shouldn't get moved. I feel like Matthews does want to stay. Uh, the thing with uh, Kyle Dubas is that Kyle Dubas was running the team. No, I think Shanahan was more. No, the, no. The, the reason why he wanted kind of out more, he wanted more of a say, Dubas did. Yeah, uh, it's, it was weird because like, because you have the president of hockey up, so it's, like, it's, I don't know, like, it's hard to tell, like, who's running a team then, right? Yeah. But, in, like, Kyle Dubas still did, like, a good enough job. It's just, I don't blame him fully. I blame the players more. Yeah, like, you, you, like, you bought the players that you addressed your needs, right? That you did at the trade deadline. Yeah. Yes, your goalies probably weren't the greatest, but just of the probably what I would say your weakest year of goalies. Got you the furthest in your tenure, yeah. which is funny to say. So, yeah, speaking of Dubis, I guess, the Pens job is still open. And they're saying that it's his if he wants it. But there's rumors that he's also waiting to see other spots. For example, Ottawa's ownership situation, what's happening with that and stuff like that. So, obviously, I don't know. I, I don't want to comment too much on it because um, the Pens situation is a little tough. You're capped out like crazy. And obviously, there's like mock trades coming out with them, how to open it up with the Canucks or other teams. So, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, eye on that out for now. Before we go into the coaches hires, do you think Sheldon Keefe does get fired? The thing was now. The thing was weird because I thought Sheldon Keefe would be let go before Kyle Dubis. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised that like he's I think still with there. Dubis was the contract. He was a free agent. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, that's a little different. But I think the news would be like. All right, Keith, you're gone like right away. Yeah, you said that like when when we did our first ever episode. Like, yeah. I think Keith is gone no matter what, and it's time for him to go. Right. So I'm a little bit surprised that he's still there. I don't know if like depending on Tree Living. So I feel like the reason why Tree Living might be there is like uh better because you did, like you said, Dubis wanted more control, right? I feel like the reason why Tree Living got hired is because you know Shanahan's like, all right, this is a guy I could like really collaborate with, and like it would be a team effort. 
So yeah, like both of them, the both of them will be in like control instead of yeah. you know, one wanting to like take over. We'll definitely get into the Leafs offseason a little bit more because they have a bunch of free agents outside of the top four, and obviously some extensions to make. But speaking of coaches, um, big hire the Washington Capitals um, hired. Speaking of the Leafs, their assistant coach and Spencer Carberry, and I was listening to again the radio in the morning. Merrick and them were on yesterday, and today was um. Like they had their uh, eye on David him for a Amber while. And, um, yeah, so it was... Uh, they had their eye on him for a while. Yeah, they had their eye on him in a while, and he was a hot candidate in general. I'm not sure if it was him or Andrew Brunette, which we'll get into in a second, that Calgary wanted to hire, or interview at least, but they ended up getting hired. So he was a finalist. Spencer Carberry, in this case, was a, a finalist for the Boston job last year, but before they went with Jim Montgomery. And obviously this year he had a, he interviewed other spots as well, right? Because like the Rangers, Jackets... Flames and Ducks also have availabilities. So we'll see how Washington does. Obviously, they're in a weird situation with what uh, with their cap uh, itself. Uh, are they going to bring back a guy like Tom Wilson? And then they're, right now, their main focus isn't even a rebuild. It's like can Ovechkin pass Gretzky. So um, we, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Any comments with that before we go to Brunette? Yeah, I mean, like, if it's always good to, like, get a guy that you always had a eye on for a while so the, the the fact that you came out on top i mean gives you some little bit of hope i i don't know what the capitals will do generally like i don't know i mean i don't think they'll make the playoffs again eastern conference is very tough yeah i mean especially I with them especially with the emergence of the devils as well yeah. uh, so it'll be tough and tough to make the playoffs if you're the capitals but yeah he'll i mean he's, a, he's been a least assistant least been a good team so it definitely deserves a shot and then Hoping he does good. Yeah, so like, I mean, I can't comment too much on these coaching hires because I don't know who he is properly. I don't even know who he was till today. So yeah. Um, but then the next guy, the next, the next guy, we definitely know who he was. Yeah. So the Predators actually, he wasn't even fired before, but John Hines got fired, and which is their current head coach, who did a, I think a pretty decent job considering mm-hmm. what the roster the Predators had, and they hired Andrew Brunette. And people, the reason why you made that comment was. Andrew Brunette was the one who replaced Joel Quenville last year um, before the whole Kyle Beach situation happened, and he got fired. So And he did a great job. They were the best team in the East, but they obviously Florida didn't get past the second round, and they barely got past the first round in, against the Capitals. So I thought he should have been their head coach, Florida's head coach. Obviously, hindsight being now 2020, it seems like maybe not because Walt Maurice ended up doing this with the eighth seed. Um, but I think it's a good hire. I think he deserved a head coaching spot for sure. So I don't mind it. I think, like I said, a team like Calgary, I believe, was looking at him already. And I guess maybe the Preds, like, because Barry Trost is now their um, GM, right? And the front office role. So he liked him over John Hines and he just made the move, which is fine with me. Yeah, I mean, your GM, right? Like, the new GM got his coach. So, so he'll definitely there. He, he'll be there for a while. He'll have an opportunity. Obviously, Predators uh, got rid of some people. Like, they were selling a trade deadline, and they still almost made the playoffs. Yeah, it's funny but, because... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but it's obviously, like, looking more towards, like, rebuild, for sure, for them. Yeah, or no, it was re- funny because Trotz, who's a defensive coach, came out and apparently said, I want an offensive-minded guy. <laughs> so it's, like, the opposite of his philosophy as a coach. So, yeah, uh, congrats to both of these guys, and we'll see what happens from there. But I guess the last thing before we close it off is... Um, the Rangers, Blue Jackets, Ducks, and the Flames have availabilities, and these are the rumors that I, I'm hearing. 
obviously the Rangers we talked last episode or the episode before about Laviolette. Oh, not Laviolette. Sorry. Quenville. Quenville. But I heard news today that Laviolette, Peter Laviolette, who was let go by Washington, is up for the Rangers position, which I'm not a total fan with because I don't know how much of the ceiling raiser that is for them. So there's that one, that one spot. The Flames have a weird situation because they just extended Daryl Sutter, but he got fired, so they have to pay him for like two, three years. And they were looking at Gerard Gallant, which I'm like, you no, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> um, and well, as a Canucks fan, hell yeah. But in terms of the Flames side of things, no. And but the most likely one is Mitch Love. Um, he's their AHL, the Wranglers coach of the year for two years in a row. And obviously, like Travis Green a couple of years ago, deserves a promotion because he might be a hot candidate elsewhere. Um, Patrick Waugh's name is being mentioned. He's, wow. he's currently in the Memorial Cup with Quebec, I believe. Yeah. With the, the For the Columbus Blue Jackets and our old coach for the Canucks. Bruce Boudreaux. No, Travis Green oh. <laughs> is being linked to the Anaheim Ducks, but not like a full-on series. I swear either. I saw, was there a Bruce Boudreaux one? Bruce Boudreaux just thrown out there, but people are saying he, he might be more of a filler coach in the yeah, he's in not season like a coach. I think Bruce Boudreaux is no longer a ceiling raiser either. We've seen, I'm not saying just with the Canucks, but we've seen what his ceiling is. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I saw like uh, predictions online like, saying that Bruce Boudreaux might be like the Calgary coach. I mean, I was saying that earlier just because oh, you like, were saying that earlier too. Yeah, it was because um because I was talking to you about it. I'm like, hey, if it's Calgary smart, they want a feel good guy. Just go get Bruce because the total opposite of Daryl Sutter. Bro, like the, the Calgary would have stole like the Bruce there it is chance. <laughs> they stole that. I mean, hey, they stole the Canucks, but guess what? Tree Living's not there anymore. <laughs> they, they stole Markstrom. They stole Tanev. Yeah. They have they have to Foley somehow. Yeah. So. Those are those are the coaching things. I don't really, I can't comment too much. Um, so we'll see what happens again. If any news happen, you know, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. By the time we, I guess by Friday the latest. Otherwise, we'll find out the coaching hires by next pod. So, I guess that's pretty much it then. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Please like, comment, and subscribe if you have any thing that you disagree with we'll love to hear you in the comments so please comment for sure comment your predictions for the both the stanley cup final and the nba finals who do you think that finals mvp um and the con smite winner is gonna be um also like i said in the beginning of this podcast we have re- we are releasing audio versions spotify google podcasts apple podcasts and other platforms as well so on our link tree it'll be under audio platform so click that and you choose whichever um uh, media you want to prefer to listen to and also follow our socials we post daily tiktoks youtube shorts and instagram reels as well so we'll and like joven said please subscribe we're almost at 100 and we would like to reach that goal so uh other than that we'll catch you guys in the next pod peace, peace.